the Pro Tools Expert Podcast with Russ Hughes, Mike Thornton, and Alan Salabank. Well, good evening and welcome to Pro Tools Expert Podcast 304. It's the 29th of January 2018. I'm Russ Hughes. I'm Mike Thornton. And I'm Alan Salabank. And uh, some of the guys are kind of w- winding their way back across the Atlantic Ocean after spending several days over at uh, NAM in uh, Anaheim, just outside Los Angeles. Uh, we've been manning the desk this side, uh, <laughs> the news desk this side of the ocean. So there's plenty to talk about tonight if we can try and cram it into one show. Yep. There's no deals in January. Uh, but we have some deals coming through. So if you're listening to this in February, then do check the deals page to see what's on offer. Uh, very special deal. It's an exclusive deal in February of uh, a bundle that you can't actually buy. So we've managed to get the bundle made just for our uh, readers, viewers, listeners. So check that out from one of our uh, our, uh, our valued partners. But also do check out the deals page anyway, because there's the partner deals section on there, which shows you all the deals going on in the industry at the moment uh, that are really worth checking out. Anyway, let's move on to some talking points. These are sponsored by our friends at Universal Audio. Over to you, Fab. Good morning, children. This is Fab DuPont. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast Talking Points are brought to you with the support of Universal Audio. Looking to get that big analog console sound from your in-the-box mix? Well, if you buy and register any UAD2 DSP accelerator between January 1st and March 31st, 2018, you'll get the world's most authentic Neve, API, SSL, and UA console emulation plugins for Mac and Windows with a value of up to $1,196, absolutely free as part of the UAD Classic Consoles plugin promotion. Click on the link in the podcast notes for more info. Okay, so talking point number one, we really couldn't, as Pro Tools experts, not talk about Pro Tools 2018, the new release which came on the first day of NAM. And I thought we'd start off by actually just sort of going around the virtual table and highlighting the feature of a couple of features that we really like and perhaps one or two features that we were hoping for that didn't make the release. Um, Alan, let's start with you. Well, I mean, I sort of took 2018.1, sort of took me by surprise a bit, actually. Um, Because since the various things that had come in on 12.8.3, which had really, really helped my workflow, the um, battery name and things like that, I was actually really quite happy already. (laughs) So, um, I mean... There, but there are there, there are lots of very good post updates in this as well. A lot of people have been sort of criticising this release for being uh, music orientated. I mean, what else would you expect for Nam? But uh, for me, the standout uh, feature is the EQ curve graphs, which are just fantastic. Um, and discussing this on social media with other peers, you can really tell the people who have started in their career as sound editors and the people who have started in their career as sound mixers. Because all the mixers are saying, great, we love it. We love the visual feedback. Um, we love the fact that I can easily see if something's going on in the EQs. I love the multi-mono different colors on the graphs uh, and all that sort of thing. And then all the editors are saying, I never have the mix window open. <laughs> 
and you're going okay, fair enough. Um, and they're, they're requesting to see the 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 EQ curve in the edit window, which is you know fine if you ask me. But if I look at my edit window now, uh, because I've been playing with Dolby Atmos, uh, I've got so many columns on the left. The you know the end where the track display starts is almost where the playhead should be. <laughs> So, um, I don't think we can really take much more footage on the edit screen, really. But I, this is a really welcome addition on the uh, on the mix screen, definitely. That's definitely my style. Anything on. that you were hoping for that didn't arrive? Well, that's the thing. Um, not really yet. Uh, I think if I was doing more sound design, there's things like you know the uh, clip folders and stuff like that. But as you know, th- this is yeah predominantly aimed at music features it was released at a predominantly music driven show um i would expect because i think i think bve is the next show in the next month so if there was a point two to come along then maybe we might see some of the more post-centric features coming along but uh for the moment i'm i'm quite happy with the uh the feature progression that's been going so far um i mean i'd rather they got it right which they seem to be doing um, than than rush it to mm. be honest. Russ, what about you? What's what's stood out for you in twenty eighteen? Well, I'm saving my favourite thing until we get onto the Nam story. Uh, <laughs> so if that's okay, uh, I don't know if anybody had asked for this in the in the Pro Tools community, but there's now track presets. <coughs> no, nobody uh, asked for that. Nobody. I don't think anybody had ever ever mentioned that before. So no, joking apart, yeah. uh, we can happily. Uh, we can happily now uh, retire our track presets hack. Well, un- unless you're using an earlier version of Pro Tools, uh, but if you're if you're on twelve, uh, sorry, if you're on two thousand eighteen point one, then you can now do track presets. Uh, I think I think that's a great option. I'm not sure about bringing the assets back in. I thought about that more and more, and and thought, well, how often are you going to do a session or, or start a new session where you need the same drum loop or uh, door slam or I don't know perhaps perhaps I'm missing something here but I couldn't imagine something that's that's a killer that's a killer app for um yes. post um, because you could you know you got uh, a title sequence with the you know a premixed dark got you. music so that okay so if, so, so if you're doing shows all the time and you've got like the stings and stuff then that would be yeah. an option for you guys. Got yeah. you. Right. That makes sense now. So that's more posty then probably than, than it is music. Because for music, it's highly unlikely you're going to bring the same vocal in or the same bass part in. Uh, you might bring a synth in uh, with, with a loop on I it. I don't know. That. Some producers. There's some producers <laughs> yeah. I, I not go there. there around at the moment. <laughs> any, any reasonable musician uh, who, who could play with more than one finger probably wouldn't do that. But, but track presets, is, it's got to be a feature. that's, that's uh, Everybody's been crying out for it forever. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah. as you remember, we were the guys that kind of put put out there the track hack. Uh, although it seems some people want to take credit for that now, uh, but uh, yeah, so it, it's great for me that one. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think all round it's it's a step in the right direction. I think they've done some some really good work this time. Uh, yes, it's in if you if you go to our sister site, then then Studio One Expert is comparing the release versus what's in. Uh, studio One, uh, studio one and, uh, and there's no real change there in terms of Studio One. You wouldn't switch from Studio One for any of the features that have come. But for Pro Tools music users, then they've been shown some love and it was long overdue for the music producer world. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things that, uh, you know, writing the story and reading all the, the material um, was the constant sort of 
mantra almost in 2018 release that um easier workflow making things easier for you to do simpler quicker so that you can basically not you know not get hung up on the technology but just be creative because you're not having to go and do mundane sort of technology back-end stuff um i I think for me the standout uh feature is the playlist comping um i remember you know before playlists came along and you did vocal comping the hard way Mm. um Mm. and then when the playlist feature came out uh that just made the whole vocal comping thing so much easier and now with these new features where you don't have to have you know track after track of playlist view uh eating up your um screen real estate and to be able to basically with shortcuts just clock round the different takes and audition them in context um very quickly very easily and say yeah that's the one i want or just for that bit you know you, you come up against a a hiccup um a fluff and you can just highlight that segment and then just clock around the different uh takes and see if you can find a better one i mean it's just so much easier um, but for me, the thing that I was really, really hoping for, and you've already alluded to, Alan, and that's essentially folders in the clip list. Uh, and I think you've, you, you've also really nailed it in the sense that um, it's the editors in this world for whom that is a very useful feature. You know, for me to be able to put mm. uh, my sound effects or my music uh, in a folder and then within that folder to be able to collect and collate uh, different elements um, – is would be phenomenally useful and in some respects it's always infuriated me because the old avid audio vision pre avid digidesign takeover the old avid audio vision had that feature and uh, well I, I remember attending i think it was the pro tool 6 launch um Back in a while ago, back in the days down, down when, when Tyrell still yes. existed in, in Soho, <clears throat> and um, they they announced it then, and then it disappeared before the release. Yeah. So it's 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 one of these features that's been promised for decades mm. now. Um, so yeah, I think it would make it would make a lot of uh, sound editors a lot happier, a lot happier, definitely. Um, I mean, a, a lot of them are using um, things like SoundMine or mm. Basshead um, to sort of get around those sort of issues anyway, really. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's what really makes a, a, a Pro Tools system great for mm. sound design is having those sort of sound effects libraries a, a, available. Yeah. Um, if, uh, if any of those manufacturers, uh, writers were to, you know, successfully try and integrate with Pro Tools, that would make it absolutely mm. killer, I think. Yeah, so. I mean, at the moment, I, as I have done <laughs> for years and years and years, um, bearing in mind I came to Pro Tools in version 2, um, I, I've just used prefixes. So um, music is always prefixed with MUS. Uh, and again, this was all mm. d- driven out of the, before you could do searches and sorts in the uh, region list as it was then, the clip list. So yeah, you you find ways of of achieving it, but um, yeah, yeah it, I mean, my discipline comes from uh, using AMS Neve audio file, where you know your file names are limited yes. to eight characters. So <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> yeah, it comes it comes naturally to some yeah. of us, but the, you know, we, if you get the, the the newer generation, uh, yeah, sounding such Indeed, old farts yes. at the moment, but you know, <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> okay, Alan, um, let's uh, let's move on. So, competitions. What have we got competition wise uh, this month? Ten years ago this year, Russ Hughes started the Air User Blog, which morphed into Pro Tools Expert in 2012. To kick off our year of celebrations, we are running a competition with a Pro Audio Gear and Software Prize pot worth over $28,000. We wanted to give you the option to win one of the 18 great prizes in this anniversary prize draw competition, so check the list of great prizes on our win page. And don't forget to check out our win page as well to discover more opportunities to win Pro Audio software and gear from our partners in the Partner Win section on our win page. Great. Okay, so talking point number two, um, I th- we couldn't really uh, not mark uh, NAM uh, in terms of uh, all the announcements uh, and news that came out of NAM. And so I thought we'd have a quick run round uh, the table to see what our uh, two um, highlights were in terms of uh, releases from um nam 2018 so russ we'll start with you what's your first one my first one is that apogee have revealed that hiding inside my i think me and alan have got very similar at least in one of these categories i've got very similar things we love and they're both from different brands but they're brands that keep giving back to those that invested in their technology mine is apogee and alan's i know i think in one of his lists is uh is rme and for Ensemble and the other two, I can never remember what the other two interfaces are called from Apogee. Uh, uh, Apogee have come along and said that tucked inside the Apogee uh, Ensemble, which I own, I've owned for three and a half years, and inside, I'm looking now, the Elements series, Thunderbolt series, there's a DSP chip and they are about to release a new update of their software, which will mean it's called dual path as well. Apparently it's quite magical. Basically you can insert it as a plugin in your door and run it natively. But when you're using your interface, you can track through it at zero latency, which sounds very like HDX, doesn't it? In a funny, cause it does it automatic. There's no messing around with like, Oh, I've got to go to this application now and switch the mute on on pro tools and then come back to it. It works apparently seamlessly. And when you're tracking, it jumps the, to the DSP chip inside these devices and allows you to use the EQ and the, and the uh, compressors and the limiters and stuff and the DSs and uh, track with them at zero latency. So, And that's free. It's coming for uh, users of Apogee elements and ensembles. I, I think they reckon uh, in the spring. Well, that, that, mm. that's kind of any, that could be any time between February <laughs> and end of uh, May, yeah. but I'm really excited. So it's got a seven seven band modern EQ, a Pulse Textile EQ, uh, a modern Dynamics processor, a vintage compressor, and a deesser. And as I say, you open the you open the plugin in your door uh, to to use it as a plugin, and but then if you're tracking, it clicks the DSP in, which is magic. Uh, and as I say, it sounds just like HDX works, doesn't it? <laughs> and it's that, it's that kind of way mm. DSP works. Because mm. often when you're using Going for zero latency, you're something like the Apollo uh, or other uh, stuff. I don't know how RME do it, but Alan, you might mention it in a moment. Uh, is that uh, you have to kind of say, okay, I'm now using, or I know that PreSonus was the same. I'm now using this part of the interface, and then I'm coming to this, and you go back and forth. So anything that makes that as transparent as possible, HDX style, 
uh, is a winner and mm. free. What can I say? Uh, mm. What what I, I I said to James, can you get over the stand and make a video? I don't care if the public don't see it. I want to see it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's my first one. Mike, what about you? Uh, mine is the uh, SPL announcing the MC16 monitor controller because, of course, one of the problems we've had, and we've discussed it in the podcast previously when we've had questions about uh, what 7.1 monitor controller would you recommend and actually it gets really quite hard once you get above 5.1 and to see SPL go for a 16 channel uh, with the ability to program it with different presets so that you could have a preset which is for Dolby Atmos another preset which is for 7.1 another preset for say quad um, is really uh, a, a great step forward uh, with all the uh, features uh, that you get you tend to get with the SBL monitor controllers so a 16 way ganged volume control because they always used to sort of talk about the you know when you did 5.1 the five way uh, the six way ganged uh, part um but i think the way that they've basically taken the switching which sometimes could be a little bit um confusing uh they've taken that and you so you can have presets for both the the solo modes and presets for the different uh, speaker configurations um there's a lot of thought gone into that and so that's certainly uh, good news to see something in the way of uh newer um monitor controllers especially for you know the the people working at home rather than the big uh, facilities so uh, good news uh, alan what's your first one yeah so mine's a bit of a uh, niche towards if for my own workflow but it's uh, rme announcing total mix effects version 1.5 and also um a new piece of software called total mix remote which um sort of Develops on what I discovered when I reviewed the RME Arc USB remote control, which was that it could work over a virtual network presence and therefore could connect to any of the computers you know, controlling an RME interface. Um, what they've done is they've taken it a step further and they've integrated all this into place so that you can control all the DSP and the internal routing and everything within your RME uh, from directly from your iPad or your Android tablet or any network connection, be it you know physical or Wi-Fi, and they've even made it portable. Yeah, uh, they've even made it so that you can port forward through your router and control it from a completely different site somewhere else in the world, which is brilliant. Um, especially if you've got uh, the one of the higher up uh, RME models that has the soft mic gain control because um, that was the only thing that was stopping me from being able to remotely record voiceovers with the preamp in the room with the artist from a different place altogether. So there's lots of great free updates for this. Um, once again, it's um, giving features to people who own legacy interfaces. So this is available to anybody who has owned, say, a Fireface 400. Uh, as long as it runs Total Mix Effects, then you know, you've got sort of 10 years legacy there, which is which is eons yeah. in computer terms, isn't well, it? Well, more than that. I mean, they, so were, I, I think that, they were talking yeah. about back to two interfaces back to 2001. I mean, that's... <laughs> that's right, yeah. That that that's serious legacy yeah. support. So once again, they they 
you know, you don't get you don't get a lot of talk out of RME, and the, and the detail of this release has been a bit scarce, um, especially if you go to RME's own website, unfortunately. Yes. But the user forums at RME are absolutely buzzing. They're really, really excited about it. So, um, yeah, right. they're showing some love for the RME owners there. So, Russ, what about your second one? I said I had a second one, and I didn't want to give it away uh, in, in the Pro Tools 2018 discussion. But my top favorite feature of Pro Tools 2018 is iLock Cloud Activation. Uh, now, some people say, well, what's the big deal? The big deal is that I have a studio and I have a laptop and rem- and I travel and remembering to take my iLock with me is a pain in the ass. So now I've put it back up on the cloud and I just have to log in. And if I've got a cloud session open in my studio, it kicks me out of the studio if, if I'm using the laptop and vice versa. It just means that Pro Tools basically works without an iLock in my mind now. It's just, it's just, it's just working. And I've been running it since the day it came out. Uh, not had a problem, not lost connection. In fact, I tried to break the connection so I could test what would happen when it loses connection. And I had to do a lot before it would say, oh, you haven't got an iLock cloud connection anymore. So it's not like, oh, uh, you're screwed uh, the minute you drop off the internet. What happens is the first time it recognises it's not got a connection anymore, and that's a sophisticated uh Uh, algorithm they're using it's not just oh every five minutes it polls but when it does do it it then pops up a message that says you've lost your connection you've got five minutes to get it back and to save your work so they've thought it through so if you went out for a coffee or something and came well you'd save anyway if you went for a coffee unless you're a moron in the studio (laughs) but uh (laughs) but you know what i mean it's not like Mm. oh it crashes you out and says oh screw you no because it even really well thought through it takes you out softly as well because if you do get logged out the other machine it it says okay do you want to save before uh before we quit Uh, and and also um you you apparently it won't kick you out if you're playing or recording is that right yeah that that was uh, is that in the pro tools Hmm. i suspect that may be a function of of what pro how pro tools have have implemented it but 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 they're saying i haven't tested it to to prove it but they're saying that whilst pro tools is playing or recording even if you lose the internet connection it won't throw you out until you hit the stop button and then, yeah. obviously, you may well get an, uh-huh. an error. You know, the message which says, yeah, yeah. "Okay, we've lost the internet connection. Uh, do you want to? You know, do you want to save?" And so, again, you can get out of it gracefully. The only um, issue that I have with that is that I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of great uses for people who've got more than one system, and that obviously in- includes facilities, yeah. um, because again, um, you know, I've worked at places like Disney. And the, the, the workstation, the computers are in a cage in the middle of the room. You can't even get to them. There's a, there's a stick which you actually, if you have to reboot them on the power button that you poke <laughs> through a hole. Um, now that's the thing. It's, they are never going to have internet support. And I would love to have seen a local server version of this. We do. We do um, know um, that Avid are planning to support the iLock network licensing feature. Uh, it just uh, it will come apparently within the first quarter of this year. It just wasn't ready for the 2018.1 release. 
but it will be coming within the the, the as I say the first three months of this year. So you work for those sorts of people um, and and educational establishments and the like to be able to have all your iLocks in essence, a bit like you do with your uh, virtual here server, to have all your iLocks yeah. and licenses all locked away in a set one machine somewhere on the network, um, mm. and then the the each each system is looking across the network for its for its iLock licenses. Um, so that that's certainly. I mean, th- there are a number of vendors that are already supporting uh, iLocks network licensing, like New Gen Audio. But we do know it's coming to Pro Tools uh, as well, but not just yet. That sounds great. Yeah, but as I say, those those uh, as I say, it's 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 very very useful, and I love it. It's just it, having been free from the dongle. Uh, is wonderful. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, certainly free from carrying. Yeah. Yeah. So if I travel to London with my tens laptop, of thousands I don't of pounds to, worth of authorisations. Yeah. licenses in my pocket. Well, no, absolutely. So, yeah. Once yeah. all the plugin developers support <laughs> iLock Cloud. Mm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's the next challenge to encourage all the uh, software developers to uh, support it. So then we really can not have to carry an iLock around. Um, so my second one is uh, Synaptic at, at NAMM 2018 were previewing their Orange Vocoder 4 plugin. Now, you may remember a while back that uh, Synaptic bought all the assets and the intellectual property from the company called ProSonic, who had an Orange Vocoder um, pretty crude, but it was one of the few Vocoder plugins at the time. And so uh, Synaptic have taken their time um, and to uh, to describe it in their own words, they've Zynaptified um, the Orange Vocoder uh, and added 22 different algorithms. Um, it's an incredibly powerful uh, Vocoder. Uh, I love the way they've got multi-layered um uh, GUI interface so that it keeps it as simple as possible and then you can just drill down and and tweak and adjust the things that you want um to be able, and different ways of being able to audition the different algorithms so uh looking forward very much to being able to get hands on that but that certainly is uh, my second uh highlight for NAM 2018 alan what's your second one yeah, um, this is a uh, controller. Um, so um, Icon Pro Audio, who do um, a series of different level budget uh, controllers, uh, Huey controllers or even, um, what's the other protocol? Um, MTC. Mackie. Mackie control, isn't it? Yeah. The, um, they, MCU, sorry. Are, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, that's right. They brought out uh, what they call... The platform B plus, which is uh, alongside their platform M and their platform D two, which we uh, gave away as a prize in the December competition, which are very compact, very small footprint controllers, really sort of um, efficient design. So to get as many features as possible onto a smaller footprint, uh, very, very, very competitively priced, um, especially if you're putting together multiple com- uh, controllers. But they've added this section, which is um, a row of buttons, basically, which you can assign to various things. And they support uh, all the major DAWs. Um, So you can have a silicon overlay, which basically 
then renames all the buttons for you to be relevant to whichever DAW you're using. So, um, yeah, all the shortcuts, all the various navigation things, send, save, uh, all these things on there. So you can, it really speeds up your workflow when you've got physical mm. buttons in front of you as well. Like yeah, that. which is why and I've so got my ideal setup. Yeah, which this, is why yeah. I've got a DNA Music Labs uh, hotkey matrix because you, and, and the great thing about those, these sorts of buttons is they are tactile. You know, when you've pressed it, unlike, uh, pressing yeah. a button on a screen on a bit of glass, you know, when you press one of these buttons. So yes, good to no, see. That's the thing. Yeah, no, it's lovely to see that, and it's and it's lovely to see the uh, the, the the price point as well. Yeah. I think it's very competitive, and uh, it hopefully get a lot more people back into using actual control surfaces because um, certainly in post. I, I don't need to be looking at a screen to see where I'm touching something. I need to be looking at the main screen to be looking at and paying attention to what I'm listening to and yeah. mixing. So that's the thing. Yeah, and, and it wouldn't take long to get muscle memory so that you could actually be pressing the appropriate button even without looking at the, the button. So you, as you say, you could keep your eyes on the screen, um, you know, the mix window or the edit window. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, really good. Really nice to see that. Good. Well, we'll move on because uh, we've got a number of questions that we want to get through tonight. So uh, we'll move on to community feedback, which are sponsored by RSPE Audio Solutions. The Pro Tools Expert Community Feedback is brought to you with the kind support of RSPE Audio Solutions. Great people and great prices. If you're looking to give your studio the power to create, edit, mix, master and deliver Dolby Atmos, then do uh, check out our friends at RSPE as for over 15 years they've been a proud Dolby professional dealer and installer and they're one of a handful of dealers around the world who can also supply the Dolby Atmos mastering suite. You can of course get the Dolby Atmos production suite from the Avid store um, but there are only a handful of dealers who you can buy the Atmos mastering suite from. So if you're interested, follow the link in the podcast notes. Uh, Alan, we've got one piece of feedback, which we're going to uh, take a much more extended look at in an article. Okay, so Flavio Bonerba, and apologies if I mispronounced that, but I'll be in touch soon anyway, and I'll make sure <laughs> for the next time, um, has been in touch, and he, as he has been following our articles and listening to all the different opinions about self-builds with much interest, and he wanted to share his own experience. Um, his letter, his email was so detailed that, uh, it, frankly, it would be a waste to just read it out here because we'd have to abridge it and there's so many good tips and everything on there. So we're going to create a dedicated story about this to share his experiences and many of his top tips, which, um, I can tell you now are very much worth looking out for. So yeah, watch out for this article in the coming week or so and we'll get that on the site. Okay, so uh, questions from the community. So the first one's from Luciana Foti and says, uh, how do you disable Pro Tools from starting up when the computer starts up? I've got Windows 7. I don't know any program that doesn't have the option for disabling this. Please help. Yeah, so um, I'm not sure how it's gotten able to start up Windows. I mean, there might have been, I think... I think you can accidentally set it that way with the, uh, the quick start window. Um, if, but I'm not entirely sure how it's got, got to go there. But uh, the way to fix it 
in Windows 7 is to on your start menu, click on all programs and then click startup. And then it will show you all the programs that are in the startup folder, which are supposed to start up when you, or your Windows boots up. So you can just uh, right click whichever one you don't want. So Pro Tools and click delete. However, sometimes there are things that have managed to embed themselves as startup items without appearing in that startup folder. So you can disable those by using the system configuration utility, um, and, uh, which is uh, msconfig.exe in Windows 7 if you open the run dialog. Uh, otherwise, um, they're only accessible through the registry, which um, given the choice between editing the registry and putting up with Pro Tools, booting, uh, firing up when I boot up my computer, I think I'd probably go with the latter. <laughs> but um, there's some really, really good advice in uh, a website I found, which uh, we'll include the link in the podcast notes for that. Asia Lohman, greetings. I want to reach out to see if you had any advice on upgrading an Avid 192 rig to something more modern. We have a fantastic SSL AWS 948 console. Nice board, that. But with an old horse of an ADA, AD, ADDA system, and we're looking at several options, Symphony, RedNet, AlphaLink, etc. Our studio, and he gives us the link. Uh, thoughts on this? Uh, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I, I must admit, I l- looked at your SSL, and of course it's a basically a fully analog desk so if you want to stay uh, with uh, hdx um, then you'll need an in- uh, basically an interface that will provide you with at least 24 channels of analog io so that basically you can get into the um, analog ins and outs which are on your uh, ssl desk um, the equivalent to a, a two-inch tape machine back in the day um, but essentially to be able to put Pro Tools in that process. I, I can't honestly feel that there's any real benefit in with this configuration um, to go down the sort of RedNet route because you don't really need audio over IP. You're not looking to, unless you're looking to remote this a long way, um, I think you'd need the um, simplest and uh, cleanest um interface that will support uh, Pro Tools HD uh, so that you can hang it on the HD card. So that will limit the number of interfaces that you can look at. So it may well be that you look at one of the um, uh, Focusrite uh, interfaces that support HDX. uh, But the key thing is, if you're going to want to use the whole desk, you'll need 24 channels of analog line level io to go with that um so that, those are my thoughts but yeah absolutely make the most of your ssl um and just get get into get into pro tools uh, as cleanly and as easily as possible so things like alpha link i mean th- those are all maddy i think those are all sort of maddy related stuff and that that again that isn't really going to help you here you you just need an interface with lots of uh, channels of analog io so that you can go straight into your into your uh, ssl console anybody got any other thoughts i i, I think i or i know i might be getting this completely wrong but um i think one of our team members is is toying with using maddie to um be able to use his 
DSP plugins as inserts on his analog console, but uh, don't take my word on that. But that does sound like a, a way to be able to, to do it. Uh, I'm not certain what the insert point capabilities are on this console, but um, it's all analog with it. Total analog. Yeah. So um, other than that, yeah, I, I, would, I would absolutely go with your advice there. Russ? I would. I, what he hasn't really listed there is anything that's kind of multi-protocol. Uh, some of them are to some degree. If you start adding board, so Symphony, you can change its protocol by sticking a board in. Yeah. But I would definitely look at the, the higher end Focusrite stuff that gives you three or four different protocols. It gives you obviously Digilink, and mm. it gives you uh, Dante and Thunderbolt. Yeah. Uh, that's the is that the Claret or the Red? I can't. Remember. No, it's the Red series. Uh, the the, red all, series. All, the, all the all the I mean the eight pre. I mean there's the six. There's the new sixteen. Uh, which is um, like an 8 pre, but with no preamps. It's just line level I/O, and that's 16 way. So that probably would get you a long way. I mean, it might be sort of worth going down like an 8 pre on one of those 16s to give you 24 line inputs, as well as some additional uh, mic pre's straight into the interface, something of that ilk. But yeah, I think that's the direction. Or, or even yeah, or even a DAD, um, because as we saw last year. Um, you can actually have two separate Pro Tools systems, you know, com, uh, connected yeah. via Digilink to it, and it'll, it'll it can it can work them both simultaneously. So, and that that's incredibly flexible in terms of if you wanted to bring different rigs in or what yeah. have you, and and certainly um, means the brief the, the of being as as clean an interface as possible in terms of sonicness, and then allow the the character and the color of the SSL to do its job. Yeah, definitely. Okay, uh, another one for you, Alan. Um, Hans Decker um, he said, I've read, read an article by Alan Salabank, Top Tips for a Successful Windows Pro Tools Computer Self-Build. He says, My present workstation often stalls because of olo- overloading the DAE. Use uh, Windows 7 with an Intel Core i7 and 24 gigs of RAM. Uh, plugins through DigiRack 2, uh, record 16 plus tracks with plugins and sends. Uh, many tracks uses Elastic Audio. Really appreciate your uh, advice on specs for a superior built, custom built system that would uh, accept Pro Tools 8 LE under Windows 7 and frees me from runtime um, errors. Uh, I don't really want to upgrade Windows or Pro Tools for several reasons, amongst uh, others, my rewires to Reason 4. Uh, so, Alan, he needs a bit of a, a legacy machine that's going to be reliable. Uh, what do you suggest? It's a difficult one because um, what we've seen with um, Windows or Intel, in fact, uh, is that the latest processors um, don't allow you to install anything older than Windows 10. So, um, and yeah, they're, they're, they're not alone in this. Uh, Apple yeah. have been doing it for, for ages. So the, um, but they had to do this to be, you know, because to maintain legacy compatibility meant limiting the performance potential of the new chips and indeed Windows 10. So, um, you know, everyone has to move on at some point. I know it's a lot more difficult when you're, when you're running your own studio or you, you own all your own gear rather than when you're working in a facility. So that's the thing. I think you would find yourself having to find some previous generation kit uh, in order to install Windows 7. Um, but 
that's not really where the problems stop. Um, you'd have to find a firewire card to to go with, with the aura. Is it a Digio two rack? Is that what he means? I'm not quite sure it, what, is, what he means by Digirack two. Uh, I but I think in the context of what he's talking about, I think that is a double O two. Yeah, yeah, I know O two R. So the um, <clears throat> yeah, you'd have to get a uh, Firewire four hundred or a Firewire eight hundred card with an adapter to go into that piece of kit. Um, I stopped using mine about five years ago because um, the one of the things that happens with them is the Firewire port becomes unreliable yep. um, over time. Um, so. Uh, and, and I'm not entirely certain. I mean, Avid listed as unsupported, so um, I, you might have to do some jiggery pokery with drivers trying to force Windows 10 to use Windows 8 drivers and stuff like that. So it's a lot of hassle. Um, but then I'm afraid that's not, the news keeps getting worse because um, he may have noticed that boosting his RAM up has not really aided the performance of Pro Tools at all. Um, because that's because Pro Tools 8 is a 32-bit application, so you can only use the first 3.5 gigabytes of whatever RAM you have installed. Um, secondly, in Pro Tools 10, when they brought in the RAM cache, that allowed it to access the extra memory, but Pro Tools 8 doesn't have that, so you're stuck with the 3.5 gigabytes of RAM that you can install. It's probably one of the biggest um, constraints that he's suffering from, in all the knock-on that's of, absolutely it. of all of that. No, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you've got to give the system room to breathe, and that's what Avid did by jumping to 64-bit with Pro Tools 11. So, and, and that was brilliant for native users because it pretty much almost tripled the power available. Um, it exponentially increased the audio suite processing speed, and you, you got lots of other lovely features like offline bounce and what have you. Um, I mean, you know... There's there's all sorts of lovely features which you really really are missing out on. I mean, some of which we listed mm. earlier. So yeah, I think yeah, um, I, think, I think I'm I'm totally with you. I think you are, if I may say, hands. You're not going to solve this. But it's. I had a great quote. I've been watching. Uh, I'll, I'll bring it up at the end of the show. Uh, so the quote was: "Everything looks like a everything looks like a nail when the only tool you have is a hammer," which is a, which is a great quote. <laughs> and and in a sense. There's only one answer to this, which is to upgrade Pro Tools to, a, to, to, to something that can take advantage of modern computing, take advantage of analysis of the RAM, uh, so many things. And the, uh, the, the disk cache, uh, rather than the RAM cache, was kind of a cobble until that came. So the, the real, you've really got to get onto a, a 64-bit system, uh, which will then free everything up. Uh, and a lot of the choking, there's only two places that Pro Tools generally chokes. One is uh, on the the disk and one is on the memory uh and uh you ain't gonna you're gonna keep coming back around this you're gonna spend a lot of money making minor minor improvements whereas if you bit the bullet as alan's saying i think you would thank us for that advice yeah so alan what are you suggesting that he might look to upgrade to so obviously getting into windows 10 pro tools uh well, that's the thing. I mean, with the latest generation processors, you get lovely things like Thunderbolt and Thunderbolt 3. Um, so then your choice of, of interfaces then you know, goes skyrockets. 
Um, so you could even look at something like the Personas Quantum, which, um, you know, as I reviewed, it's, it's an absolutely lovely piece of kit. It's very good value. And it scored very well in that it shootout, did. didn't it? As I well. mean, remarkably yeah. well. So, yeah. So, and, and, and even also, you could upgrade to Reason 10. Um, which, I mean, the propeller heads are constantly emailing me with upgrade yeah. deals. So, I mean, I'm still on version eight, but, um, that can now run third party plugins. It has audio tracks for ages. And so you might even find yourself you know, moving more over to, you know, reason as your, as your sort of compositional mm. tool and your Pro Tools as your mixing tool. So I would think, to have a look, have a look around and see what the opportunities are and how you can develop your skill set as well as your as Because I mean, if 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 budget is tight and that certainly seems to be what it is in terms of reading through uh, between the lines, um, your uh, Plan B self build at about eight hundred pounds sterling is gives it would give him a very very powerful computer for not a huge spend. No, oh, absolutely. Even if he kept it as Windows, yeah. that would, um, yeah, it, exactly. It's a very respectable build in itself. So, yeah, um, you know, you could you could scale down the graphics card a bit on that and spend a bit more on the processor, and then you know, if you're wanting to tune it yeah. for audio and music. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I, I I think there's there's such a world of opportunities, and it's not a high price point yeah. at all, really. Uh, on the you know, getting into the the very latest tech really i I really don't think that's a is a a huge issue trent williams high pro tools expert crew um i need to get my baseball cap and turn it around uh i'm emailing you from the other side of the world wellington new zealand exactly (laughs) so go and stand on your head then yeah i'm (laughs) considering moving over to london don't do it what from new zealand (laughs) okay that's the answer to your question oh no there's more to (laughs) towards the middle of 2018 and i'm seeking advice uh, or, or any information you might have to help me integrating into production circuit in the UK. For the past five years, I've been working as a contracting sound department location recorders mixer and post-production editing re-recording mixer for companies such as Park Road Post. Know some of the guys there. Big friends with uh, Stephen Gallagher, one of the composers. Wrestler and storyboard here in Wellington. Predominantly, I'm an FX and Foley editor. However, in the last two years, I've shifted more towards production sound. If it's at all possible, I'd usually appre- I'd be hugely appreciative of any information you may be able to provide to help me gauge what to expect in trying to land work once I'm in the country, i.e. how easy do you find it to get work and how competitive is the industry at a glance? No need to go into detail, I'd just like to know uh, a bit more. So, Alan, I think you can have a go. I worked in Soho for several years as well, so I'm sure I, I might be able to say something because I ran a couple of post houses. So, Alan, first, you're the guy that's at the sharp end of this. Yeah, I mean, well, um, I just relocated out of London, but you know, that said, um, <laughs> to, to make to, to make Trent feel more home, Kira or Trent. So that's hello, allegedly in New Zealand. So um, the first thing I don't want to do, as Russ has alluded to, is to put you off and paint a picture of gloom and doom. But there are a variety of economic and political issues going on here in the UK at the moment. Um, you know, this this. This podcast isn't about politics. I'm not going to go there. But uh, post-production isn't having the easiest times at the moment like anywhere else in the world. Um, having said that, you've got a good broad skill base there. So you might be okay because nowadays it's, it is all about multi-skilling. You just need to uh, decide which way to pursue your career really because um, 
juggling location sound and post-production sound isn't really that easy. I know a couple of people who try it and... Um, when I've worked with mutual clients, they, they said, oh, we'd love to use so-and-so, but he's never around. He's always on location. So there's, um, you also, if you've worked at Park Road, you may know a couple of, um, ex-colleagues of mine who are there who are Brits. So I would just pop into reception there and tap them for some information as well. Uh, cause they still got lots of contacts back in the UK in post-production facility houses. You might be able to point some work your way. But also take a look at the Association of Motion Picture Sound uh, website, uh, links in the podcast notes, and the Institute of Professional Sound as well. Um, so they cover the whole gamut from production sound to post-production. Indeed. So, and um, yeah, if you uh, find yourself heading west of London, give me a shout and we'll hook up for a beer. I'd say that I ran two post houses in Soho and I had no end of problems trying to find reliable sound people. Uh, so what I'd say is you might have to kind of first land here and do some, just, just, just do whatever you can to get your name around as reliable. Uh, Alan and I have mentioned Soho. Soho is basically the second film studio in the UK after Pinewood. It's, that's the way you kind of, it's like, it's like, it's, it's, I think there's 200, 200 post houses doing, uh, graphics, uh, video, 3D sound all in about four streets in one place called Soho in West One. So that's one area you can work. Of course, there's Pinewood uh, and uh, what's the other one? Forgive me. Uh, the other the other Pinewood studio. Yeah, Shepton, Pinewood. Uh, so those are the three big ones. But don't. But at the same time, don't forget there's, uh, the Beeb. There's a big media centre now up by Mike in Manchester, Media yeah. City. Uh, at... You've got good credentials, which is a good start. That will help you when you, you start making calls. Uh, and uh, just, just although there's a lot of post houses in Soho, just be aware there's a lot of people trying to get jobs, uh, trying to get work. So freelancing will be your best friend if you want to go that route. And uh, But just be somebody who can show good work in an interview, uh, get good resume from people and get good uh, recommendations. Uh, and turn up on time. That's all I'd say. For when I was hiring talent to do projects, uh, when I was teaming up for stuff, that's what I wanted, people I could rely on. And you sound like the kind of guy that is. So you should be able to work without a problem. Uh, but just, just it's, a, it's, a, it's a busy place with a, with a lot of people trying to get that work. So, uh, but I'd stay in New Zealand if that would be my advice, not stinking <laughs> London. <laughs> the Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, then you'll know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. And even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We all now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser with no software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. So, find of the week. Alan, we'll start with you. Yeah, so um, it landed in over in Bristol here, the uh, the Dolby Atmos production suite, um, which I've been getting to grips with the last few days. And, uh, you know, to the extent that, I mean, yeah, I'm an audio nerd, but I, you know, I woke up early on Sunday morning and I just had a sort of light bulb moment when, ah, that's how you do it. 
and came in there and started remixing a feature film <laughs> into, into Dolby Atmos. Um, now, I mean, it, it's a fantastic piece of software for a relatively small price tag of like £240 in the UK. And, you know, it really does sort of unlock the, the third dimension. Um, I mean, it, it, I've been playing with it today. There are just so many uh, really carefully thought through features which really sort of think beyond just doing the final mix they think about delivery they think about the different versions and stuff like that and it's a really impressive piece of kit and i also really really like the way it's integrated into to pro tools as well um since i think it was 12.8 they brought the closer integration into play and that that's just fantastic you've got the dynamic routing uh everything comes Everything just comes alive. There's this whole new bunch of buttons and everything like that. So for an audio nerd like me, it's been an absolutely fantastic few days. Um, I've been thoroughly enjoying myself with this. And, uh, so, um, and, uh, it's certainly worthy of a whole series of articles because <laughs> there's so much to Good. tell. Um, but the top tip I would say is though, if you're getting into it, use the, uh, the provided templates and the documentation that comes with it as an educational guide. Don't start importing them into your own sessions and then trying to work with them because they're a little bit behind the times and they don't quite reflect the latest advances in Pro Tools. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, the last few hours has been me rebuilding my own template for Dolby Atmos. And, you know, when you're routing 128 channels at a time, it, it starts getting quite time-consuming. <laughs> but, um, yeah, a fantastic piece of software. Um, thoroughly impressed with it. And um, I think everything's going to be an Atmos, my right. man, from now. Definitely. Russ, what's your find of the week? Well, mine was, uh, I, I, I was having a re- trying to have a relax, and I, I stumbled across, I don't know how many of you use Netflix, but I stumbled across uh, a show called Manhunter, which is, this, which is a, uh, based upon catching the Unabomber, the notorious American uh, guy that was bombing universities and airlines for several years. And it was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant show. So if you want to have a relax uh, and forget about everything and just need some downtime if you're in the middle of a stressful project, only eight episodes as well, so you haven't got to watch weeks and weeks of it. Uh, I, I finished it in a couple of days just by watching a lot of the back-to-back stuff, about 45 minutes an episode. Uh, very, very good. And, uh, yeah, Unabomber on uh, Net- Manhunter Unabomber on Netflix is my find of the week. And, Mike, what about you? Well, it has to be Pro Tools 2018. Uh, um, it, it's a really good release. I would have turned a serious corner with this release. Um, yeah, uh, as we've said, uh, most of the features really are pitched at music, but we've all said, said you know, this is this has also got some great things for the post community. Uh, and I think for me... The great thing is Avid are working really hard and have worked with this 2018 release at improving workflows and making it to be and making it easier to be creative and not having to get bogged down in the technology and that certainly has to be a, a good thing in my book. So on that it's time to say uh, it's good night from me. It's good night from me and it's good night from me. Goodbye.